Welcome to Making Disciples, the podcast. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. And in this podcast, each week we explore something about the Christian faith. And what we're trying to do here is get to the nuts and bolts. We're trying to look at the Christian faith without using the cliched words or the theological terms that confuse us. We just want to get down to the nuts and bolts of the Christian faith. And uh, As far as I see it, as you read through the Gospels, Jesus, this is what he's doing 2,000 years ago, is Jesus walked around, he's teaching uh, the Jewish faith in such a way that people understand it. His disciples were not academics. His disciples were 13, 14, 15, 16 year old boys. Peter's probably the oldest in his 20s because he owns a business. Young John is probably down there at 13, 14, uh, age group. So his disciples were his youth group and Jesus is trying to explain to them the nuts and bolts of having a relationship with God uh, in a way that really makes sense. So that's what we're doing in this podcast. And in today, what we're going to do is we're going to take a story that Jesus has told. He tells it in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Many of us know it as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to look at it from a slightly different angle uh, because Jesus is the ultimate storyteller. But so many of the stories that Jesus tells actually come from somewhere else. And it's not necessarily what Jesus says that makes his story so powerful. It's what he doesn't say. And unless we know what he doesn't say, it's sometimes difficult to fully grasp what he's trying to say. So friends, welcome to Making Disciples and our podcast on The Good Samaritan. So the Good Samaritan, a eh? story that Jesus tells. But friends, it's a story that already existed before the time of Jesus. And what Jesus does with the Good Samaritan is super interesting because he tells a story, but his version has a twist on it. And it would have certainly been a moment where the listeners would have gone, no way, I can't believe he said that. So we're just going to explore this story and see if we can also have a no way moment. So the story of the Good Samaritan, you could also name it if you wanted, who is your neighbour? Because it's a story exploring who is your neighbour. I really love the idea that you could call it the the parable of how to worship correctly. Uh, So you could have multiple names. Why is it called the parable of the Good Samaritan? Because when the Bible was translated, uh, they wanted names to break up the different passages and sections so you you could find it really quick. So they decided to simply call it the the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, which kind of implies there are bad Samaritans out there, uh, which we'll kind of cover in a little while. But they chose this story. I would love it to be known as the story of how to worship correctly. Now, this is how the story goes. I'm going to read it from uh, Luke chapter 10, verses uh, 25 onwards. So it says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Just pause there for a second. An expert in the law. This young man that has come to Jesus wants to test Jesus on his knowledge of the law. This guy is a lawyer. This lawyer has come to Jesus, he's an expert in the law, and he's come to Jesus to test, does Jesus, the rabbi, understand the law? So, he stood up to test Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life, is what he says. Jesus says, what is written in the law? How do you read it, or how do you understand it? And the lawyer says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, 
with your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. In podcast number one, if you're not listening to it, you might want to zip back there, but we actually talked about this passage, loving God with our head, our heart, and our hands. And then they've added into the end here, and love your neighbour as yourself, which is kind of the key verse. Verse 28, you've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, before we go any further, I just want to say this. Before we read the story, Jesus's version of the story, I want to tell you the original story. Now, I heard this story years ago uh, by a Jewish uh, rabbi. He was a messianic Jew, which means he was a Jewish rabbi who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And he was teaching on this passage and he was telling this story uh, that we know as the Good Samaritan. And he talked about it uh, being a story about knowing your place, knowing your place in Jewish society. And in this story, uh, the original version says this, there was a man traveling from Jericho up to Jerusalem, which means it's the start of the day. This man is traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem and he's going through the winding roads and through the mountain range. And as he goes through, some bandits come and they attack him, they beat him, they leave him nearly dead, stripped naked at the side of the road. They steal his possessions, they steal his money and they run away. And the man is left there at the side of the road and he's, he's dying. And a little while goes by and the man hears the footsteps of someone coming in the heat of the morning. And along the road comes a priest. And this priest looks at the man on the ground. Now the priest is heading from Jericho up to Jerusalem. It's the beginning of the day. So he's, he's heading up to the Jerusalem to do his job. And his job as a priest, was to give sacrifices in the temple. And for that, he had to be ritually pure. And what would happen is at the beginning of the day, he would start near his home and he would go and bathe himself in these huge wells dug in the ground, a little bit like baptism. He would walk down some steps. He would bath himself or baptize himself in the water then he'd walk up the steps on the other side and he would be richly pure he'd have said the prayers as he went under the prayers as he came up and he would be richly pure he was ready to give sacrifices in the temple this is this man's job so he's walking along the road and he sees the dead man at the side of the road and he looks and knows what his role is in society and he steps around the man and then carries on up the road, knowing that this dead body would make him unclean, or that certainly this man who was nearly dead would make him unclean. So he crosses onto the other side. Now, the humorous thing there is this road from Jericho to Jerusalem is no more in places of six foot, seven foot wide. So to step around the other side of the road it's not like you're crossing the pavement he's actually having to step over the body and that's the comical thing in the story you meant to chuckle oh it's actually not possible if you know that road the man lays in the road the priest carries on and then a little while later a levite comes 
the Levite would come. Now, his job was to serve in the temple, but his job was to serve uh, the priests in the temple. So he would be richly pure. His role was to get to the temple and to serve in the temple like the priest, but serving the priest so that people's sacrifices could happen. So he knew his place in society. He steps onto the other side, passes by the body and carries on. And then there was a third character in the story. The third character is the Jewish layman. Now, the Jewish layman is walking along the road and he sees the body in the road. Now, his job uh, isn't to serve in the temple and it's not to serve the priests in the temple. His job is to serve God. So the Jewish layman sees the body on the floor, knowing his position in society. This is his role. This is what he should be doing. His act of worship isn't in the temple, but his act of worship is in the street. So he gets on his hands and knees and he serves the body. He takes the man uh, to a hostel where he's cared for and he's looked after picking up this near dead body. He makes himself unclean to serve this person whom God loves. So in the story, you would certainly have these moments where people would cheer. The priest is coming, cheer, yeah. Uh, and then they'd say things like, who's the second person to walk down the road? And the crowd would shout, the second person is the Levi, yeah. And then he'd say, who's the third person to walk down the road? And everybody would shout, the Jewish layman, yeah. And it's a story where they would cheer when the characters' names were mentioned. So this is the original story. And Jesus takes this original story and gives us this little twist. So let's read it together. In reply, Jesus answered, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So in Jesus's version of the story, this is not the beginning of the day. This is the end of the day. And there's a man traveling from Jerusalem and he's going home. And whilst on the road, he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him. They went away, uh, leaving him on the road. Uh, so this man's dumped there in the street. But the key thing is this is the end of the day. The man has been in Jerusalem and he's on his way home. This is the end of the day. So the story then goes on. A priest happened to be going, see the word, down the same road when he saw the man. And he says he passed by on the other side. Now, this is really interesting. So at the end of the day, uh, a priest uh, on the way home doesn't need to stay ritually pure because they've done their job in the temple. They're on the way home. They can bathe themselves when they go home. So staying ritually pure wasn't necessarily the most important thing to them right now. But if you were a priest and you'd been serving in the temple all day, you were able to take some of the sacrifices that were given on the altar to God. You were able to take some of those, put them in a bag, take them home with you. And that would be the food that you would uh, feed your family on when you got home. So that food there was ritually pure. So as the uh, priest is walking down the road, he sees this man looking dead in the street. He doesn't need to stay clean, but his food does. And the man, the priest, makes a decision in Jesus' story. The man in the road, save his life or save my food. I mean, the, 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 the nudges and wink winks in this is incredible. So a priest happened to go down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. He skips to the other side of this very narrow walkway. So too, a Levite came and when he came to the place, he saw the man and passed by on the other side. So I want you to imagine Jesus is telling this story. I want to tell you a story 
I want to tell you the story of a man that's traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. No, no, Jesus, don't you mean he was traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem? No, 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 Jesus, no, no. This is the end of the day. And this man is traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he's attacked on his way home and he's left for dead on the floor. And he'll say, and then he heard the footsteps of a man coming towards him. Who is the man? And everybody would shout, the priest. And they'd cheer and they'd applaud. The priest came. The priest came. He saw the man on the floor and he steps right by him on the other side. He chose food over the man's life. Then he'd say, who was the second man that walked down the road? And they'd all shout, "Uh, the Levite. And they'd all cheer. And he says, yeah, the Levite comes. And he sees the man on the floor. And he makes a choice to step onto the other side and walk on. Everything sounds normal so far, apart from the direction has changed. And then Jesus would say, who is the third person that walked down the road? And they'd all shout, the layman. And Jesus would go, no, a Samaritan. It'd be like a drop the mic moment. It's, you can imagine, it's like somebody has just cussed your mum. And it's like, ooh, I can't believe he just said that. Did you hear what Jesus just said? He just said the third person that came past is the Jewish uh, is the Samaritan. The people were like, I can't believe he's just said this. So the story goes on. He said, but a Samaritan, and he travelled, as he travelled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He's, in fact, the Greek says he was heartbroken. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring the oil and wine. Then he would put the man on his donkey and he brought him to an inn to take care of him. You know, the story goes on. He takes care of him. The man is looked after and uh, the man is well. The story kind of ends. But imagine this drop the mic moment. Jesus takes the story of the Good Samaritan, a story that was about knowing your place in society. Jesus flips it and makes it a story about systemic racism. Jesus takes the character of the layman out And he puts in there the character of the Samaritan. Now, just to explain, the the philosophy and the understanding of the Samaritans was that they were unpure, they were unclean, they weren't Jews, they worshipped the same God as the Jews, but they did it in a different way. And they were seen as people that were unclean. And don't hear me wrong, it isn't that they disliked the Samaritans. They hated the Samaritans. They could not stand the Samaritans. There was this uh, cultural racism underlying in the surface where they just hated the Samaritans. And there's lots of things uh, written in the oral traditions and the oral texts, the written down texts about Samaritans. So there's this thing called the uh, Mishnah Sheveth. It's Mishnah Sheveth, 8th and Jewish text, and it reads this. He that eats the bread of the Samaritans is like the one who uh, eats the flesh of pigs. So if you're going to a bakery and the bakery is run by a Samaritan and you bought bread from that Samaritan, it's almost like they were eating the flesh of a pig. This is how much they hated the Samaritans. Uh, The pig was an unclean animal. It had clothed hooves. And Jesus is saying, uh, Mr. Shepherd is saying, this is how unpure a Samaritan it is. Even the bread that they bake is unclean. Um, Ben uh, Sirach, he lived uh, 200 years before Jesus. And he wrote this. There's two nations that I detest. And the third is not even a nation at all. He couldn't even say the Samaritans were a nation. The third is not even a nation at all. The inhabitants of Mount Seir and the Philistines. And then he says, and the stupid people 
of Shechem. Uh, who lived in Shechem? The Samaritans. Uh, here we have Ben Shirak, 200 years before Jesus. He's writing that there's, there's three groups of people that I hate. I can't even call the third one a people. The first two are nations. I don't even know what the third one is. But they are stupid people of Shechem. That's all you can say. Um, so here we have this deep-rooted racism for these people. And Jesus takes this racism that's in the air. And he says, I'm going to tell you a story of neighborhoodness. I'm going to tell you a story of what it means to love thy, thy neighbor. See, in, um, in Jewish tradition, uh, your neighbor uh, was somebody that came from uh, your own people. So Leviticus 19.18 says this, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anybody among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. So if, as long as they were a part of your people, they were your neighbor. Anybody that was not a part of your people, they were not your neighbor. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm going to expand your understanding of what your neighbor is. Your neighbor isn't your people. Your neighbor is somebody that you hate so much you can barely even say their name. Now, the Samaritan here, this is why I want to call this, this story the how to worship correctly. Because here you've got a priest and a Levite that have been given sacrifices in the temple and they've elevated these sacrifices in the temple as the most important way of worshipping. Now, in the temple, there was lots of things that were used, but two clear things that were used in the temple for worship was wine and oil. And these elements were used on the sacrificial table uh, with the animal uh, to... Uh, to burn the sacrifices and give the sacrifices to God. And they would pour wine and oil on there as these elements of worship. Now in Jesus's uh, telling of the story says this, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, saw the man. When he saw him, he took pity on him uh, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him. That is a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink. What the Samaritan is doing here is worship. This is correct worship. The, the priests had elevated all the wrong things. You know, Jesus uh, even says to the Pharisees a number of times in the Gospels, uh, you, you've, you've kind of elevated the wrong things and you've neglected the, the right things. What are the right things? Jesus says justice, mercy and faithfulness. You know, Micah 6, 8 says, what does the Lord require of you? Well, act justly, love mercy, work humbly. God is more interested in the worship as you serve the needy in the street than he ever is the worship that is given in the temple or in the churches. It's, it's not uh, um, one or the other, it's both and. We have to worship God corporately together as we also worship God with our hands, as we serve the needy in the streets, as we pour out oil and wine. This is real worship, Jesus is saying. So there's a bunch of things going on here. Who is your neighbor? The person that you hate. What's the right way of worshiping? in the street with oil and wine as you serve and bandage up the needy and the broken. So Jesus then in verse 36 turns to the lawmaker, the lawyer. He says, verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Which, which one? The Samaritan? The Levite? Or the priest? Now, the, the poor lawyer knows that this is a trick question. He, he knows it's a trick question. And he turns to Jesus. The expert in the law replies, the one who had mercy on him. 
You can almost hear he's saying it with gritted teeth. The one who had mercy on him. The lawmaker couldn't even say the Samaritan. He couldn't even use the name of that stupid person from Shechem. He couldn't use his name. So he, through gritted teeth, he says, the one who had mercy on him. You can just imagine the hatred in this guy. And Jesus turns to him and says, go and do likewise. If you want to inherit the kingdom of God, if you want eternal life, then go and love the people that you hate the most. Who is your neighbour? The one you can't even say their name. That is your neighbour. Isn't this an explosive parable? It's, it's not just what it seems on the surface. Jesus takes a parable that existed and he puts this twist on it and he changes the ending. And it's the ending that becomes electric. The original parable, knowing your place in society. Jesus's parable, it's all about systemic racism. It's about knowing your neighbour, loving the people that you struggle to love, to go and do likewise. Jesus takes his story and has this twist on it. You can imagine people going, no, I can't believe he's just said that. He can't believe he even said the word Samaritan. People are like, no way. What an incredible story. So where do we land this story then? The story of the Good Samaritan or the story of who is your neighbour or the story of how to worship correctly? Where do we park this for us? And I'd love to say to you, what is the challenge for you? What are you sensing as you hear this story is the challenge for you? I just want to draw out two things that I think uh, if you're, you're struggling to know, what do I do with this? Two things that I'd love you to just go away and think about as you grow as a disciple in the way of Jesus, as you apprenticeship yourself to the way of Jesus. Firstly, be careful to not become religious. And what I mean by that is elevating the wrong things whilst at the same time ignoring the right things. It's possible to become so caught up in our faith that we elevate all these religious things that we think are important, whilst at the same time we're neglecting people and humanity. We're neglecting the widow, the orphan, the needy, the person in the street. It's so easy to become so focused on getting to the place where you sing songs that you then miss out in the opportunities to worship Jesus on the streets on the way to church or on the way home from church or the way home from work on the bus. There's all these opportunities around us to worship with our hands to worship with the resources that we have and to serve people that we don't even like. Who is it that you struggle to even say their name? And for you to love that person would be a greater act of worship in the name of Jesus than giving the greatest tithe or the greatest uh time of worship or offering that you could possibly give. You could write a check for a million pounds, but the value behind that, that sacrificial gift of a million pounds 
could almost be worthless compared to the act of worship when you get on your hands and knees and you worship by serving somebody in need. So my my challenge is be careful to elevate the right things. Be careful to elevate the worship God requires. What does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. That's what the Lord requires of you. So be careful to elevate the right things, not over the wrong things. And secondly, who do you struggle to even say their name? It may be a people group, a tribe, or it may be a family member. You can't even say their name. So you simply call them uncle or you call them aunt. If you've ever got to a point where you call someone them, it's like you've dehumanized them. You can't even say their name, them. Sometimes when people have fallings out with their neighbor, uh, they can't even say their name. They say the person next door. When you start using phrases like that, you're dehumanizing a person. And maybe that is the person that you need to worship Jesus through. So my challenge for you today, as you grow as a disciple, is to simply say, who is it that through loving them, I might worship Jesus greater than than any other form of worship that I can give. And I'd love you to go away and just think about uh, how do I be careful in elevating the right things, the Jesus things, rather than the religious things. So I hope you found that helpful today. I certainly hope you found it challenging. We're going to do some more of these when we look at parables from Jesus's perspective, looking at a different version that Jesus makes a twist on. There's loads of them. So we've got loads of material to explore. But I leave it there with you today. I'd love to ask you to give a thumbs up. I'd love you to like this, share this, tell people about this podcast, share it on your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter. Uh, I'd love more people to be uh, exploring discipleship with us each week as we apprenticeship ourselves to the way of Jesus. Friends, until next time, grace and peace.